0: Did you know that you could earn ASHA CEUs for listening to these podcast episodes? I think this might be the most fun and most convenient way to earn CEUs ever. Whether you are sitting by your pool during quarantine or uh, trying to fill your commutes once we head back into a normal life here, uh, the opportunities are endless and it's so incredibly convenient. And the best part is if you use the code TALKING20, you get $20 off the pod course membership. That is a steal. So if you're interested in getting started, head to speechtherapypd.com teletherapy. Uh, click the button at the top of the page to become a member and then just scroll down to the pod course membership section and click that white button. Can't wait to see you in all of the future courses. Hello and welcome to Talking Teletherapy. This is a weekly webinar and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com where we dive into the ins and outs of teletherapy for speech-language pathologists. Each episode of Talking Teletherapy is worth 0.1 ASHA CEUs, when you complete the accompanying webinar on SpeechTherapyPD.com. Please visit SpeechTherapyPD.com teletherapy for more information about earning ASHA CEUs along with this podcast. I'm Marisha, and I am your host this week. And without further ado, let's dive in and talk all things teletherapy. Hello there and welcome to Talking Teletherapy. Um, Today we are going to be talking about all things stuttering with um, an amazing SLP, Lauren LaCourte. She is um, an amazing resource. Um, And just to tell you a little bit about her, she's a graduate of Louisiana State University um, and she has been a school-based speech-language pathologist in the Baton Rouge area for over 12 years. Um, she serves as a speech-language pathologist and lead special education teacher at her local primary school, um, and she's also the author of the website BusyBeespeech.com and has some amazing therapy materials. Um, and I invited here her here today um, to uh, just share her wisdom. Um, she's been dabbling a little bit with teletherapy as well. Um, and just how to connect um, what we would be doing in our therapy rooms to uh, the digital world. So we are just going to get her permission to share her screen. She has some awesome slides for us today. And I I think I need help from the moderator to make that happen. Um, But let's see. And then while we're waiting for that, I'm curious to hear um, who's attending today. So what are, okay, awesome. Um, but let us know where you're tuning in from. And if you have any, like, are you doing teletherapy now? And what does that look like for you? And then without further ado, Lauren. Hey, thanks, Marisha. I'm so excited today to talk I to can, y'all a little bit about. I don't know if everyone else can hear, but can I you? don't hear your sound.
1: Okay. Let's see. Can you
0: hear me now? It might be me, though, actually. Let's okay. see.
1: There's a someone mowing the lawn outside, so I wanted to do the microphone if I could. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think our we're good to go here. All right, can y'all hear me? Yes, okay, great. Okay, I'm excited to talk to y'all about stuttering teletherapy today, and um, I have a few things Marisha already told y'all a little bit about me, so... Um, Hi, Lauren, one more thing. Yeah. Um, I think the
0: sound quality is better without the headphones. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, there is just a little whistling sound. This is awesome. So I just, um, if y'all hear the person mowing the grass outside, let me know and I'll uh, <laughs> try to go in another room. Okay, so um, I did want to do some disclosures, and I wanted to let y'all know that I am the author of the blog and website Busy Bee Speech, and I receive revenue from the sale of speech therapy materials on the website TeachersPayTeachers.com, and there are no relevant non-financial disclosures at this time. So today, this is basically just what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of distance learning and doing therapy virtually. Um, We'll also talk about some helpful tips and ways to integrate new and unique ideas into your virtual fluency therapy. And then we'll talk about several of my favorite resources to use, and we'll review several of them that are helpful for effective stuttering teletherapy. All right, so the first thing I have for you is a question, and it's, can virtual therapy actually be effective? And um, the short answer is yes, because there have been several research studies on this exact topic, and um, several people have published in online journals and websites, and most of the studies show that outcomes, um, show that clients have mostly positive experiences with doing therapy virtually. And um, telepractice appears to be a promising treatment method in a variety of um, communication disorders, and stuttering therapy is, is no exception. Um, there is, however, more research needed on this topic, and um, it all, they also all say, those research studies that I um, looked up all said that you need to watch out for those technical difficulties, um, which is kind of the case for any online platform. All right, so here are four benefits that I feel like um, are really helpful to to virtual therapy. And the first is that you get more time with parents um, parents and caregivers are more accessible at home than at school and this is kind of versus a school setting because I'm typically in a school-based setting and we were all just kind of thrown into teletherapy um, the last few weeks, but I found that through this platform you have more ex- access to parents and caregivers, um, they're usually home with their kids and it's been nice to be able to incorporate them into my sessions. Also, um, you get a lot of one-on-one time with the student. In schools, you are kind of thrown into group therapy a lot, and sometimes fluency students aren't as comfortable in groups as they are in individual sessions, so having teletherapy gives you that one-on-one individualized time also um, you can have more access to their home environment you can see what the stressors are like there Um, it allows for many opportunities for carryover at home so you can really take advantage of that and then the last benefit that i find to virtual therapy is session playback so i don't know if you realize this but through the Zoom platform and several other platforms, you can record your sessions and then play them back for analysis and data collection. So you don't have to worry about trying to scramble and take a bunch of data during the session. You can let your therapy sessions just flow naturally if you're recording your session. And then you can play it back later to analyze your data, or you can even utilize it to share with the student later. Okay, I love this quote by um, Dr. Yaris, and it says that clinicians must learn to fit therapy to the child rather than fit the child to therapy. And I find that um, it's just a lot of us were thrown into that teletherapy the last few weeks unexpectedly. And how much more is this? does this ring true um, for all of our kiddos during this time? And it's just important to remember to think about what your individual client needs also, and not just check those therapy boxes. So we would want to fit the therapy to the child rather than fit that child to therapy, even in our child therapy sessions. All right, so let's talk about five stuttering therapy ideas or tips for distance learning or your virtual sessions. I'm gonna talk about five different things that um, we're gonna go over today. And the first one is, My first tip is to get parents involved. So parent education is actually a pretty important component of stuttering therapy anyway. And um, since students are at home, like I said, you actually have the advantage of being able to stay in more contact with your parents. And this is a great time to offer support and answer any questions that they may have. So I, um, I do think that this is a great great opportunity for that. So whenever we're working with parents and families in general, we want to teach them about how to modify their environment and the communication techniques. I like to tell them about lots of different aspects of um, fluency therapy and make sure that they are involved and have lots of education. So I like to provide handouts or um, articles or videos or pamphlets through email or different things like that. Um, So whenever I'm teaching them how to reduce those demands placed on the child um, through different areas, it's definitely um, good to have those involved. Let's see this next. Okay, so a few of the ways that um, things that you can give to parents are an understanding of the risk factors. So understanding those risk factors helps parents to be aware of environmental stressors that can contribute to their child's stuttering. So, they can improve this by making changes to their environment and um, and being more aware of those factors that can contribute it, and then they can change those when they understand those stressors. The next thing I like to tell them about is some communication tips. So, we want parents to learn to slow their rate and reduce the verbal demands that they place on the child. So this is more than just a typical, um, oh, just let's just slow your rate and then be done with it. No, we want to make sure that we're modeling and we're teaching them how to reduce those verbal demands and then the reasoning why we're doing it. Um, the third thing is to respond calmly. We also want them to respond to their child in a calm manner and model effective responses to difficulties in general. Um, And then lastly, daily fluency trackers. I like to help parents track their child's fluency daily or weekly, and this will give some great data on what situations trigger more stuttering or less stuttering. So all of those together, we can grab those parent letters, handouts, trackers, and send them home to help the parents implement those changes. So I even made like a rules poster for parents as well as teachers to just help with good basic communication skills because it's not always common sense to everyone that it is to us. So, initially we want parents to learn terrible demands on them then to raise their child in that calm manner and model effective responses to those difficulties and just to teach the, the children that it's okay to make mistakes in life and in speaking. Okay, so I feel like the biggest thing that we can do for parents through teletherapy is modeling. Um, this is a big component. We want them to be able to change those environmental factors that are contributing and adding stressors to their child's disfluency. So, how I like to teach them the modeling is to, first of all, explain the reasoning behind the modeling and make sure that they understand what you're doing and why. And then, also, the, the next thing that we do would be model the change in the communication. So, don't just say slow your rate, show them, teach them. Um, and then I'll let them, the parent practice and then after that I'll provide feedback to the parent. So it's a really great, great session and a good time to let the parent um, play, with the show, like play with their child and then you can give them feedback and then they can try reducing the demands and re, they can try modeling that change in the communication and then you can uh, give them that feedback. Okay, so Stuttering Therapy Resources from, with Dr. Dr. Yara says that both the child and the parent can benefit from those modeling activities. And because, um, because when we're modeling for the parent, we're also providing therapy for the child. So it's worth it to spend some time making sure that the parents feel comfortable to make those modifications to their environments at home. All right. So the first one was getting the parents involved. And then the second tip I have is to keep your therapy routines. So virtual therapy doesn't have to be that different from your regular therapy sessions. You want to keep some of the same therapy routines that you would with face to face therapy. So let's remember the three aspects of fluency that we like to treat. So we like to do some fluency education. So that's um, teaching them about their speech machine, teaching them about the different types of disfluencies, teaching them about strategies. Second, those feelings and emotions, we don't wanna forget about those communication attitudes and all that, that aspect of fluency. And then the third is strategy practice, we want them to have time to practice and implement those strategies that they would need to change their speech. So we can do all of those things virtually, just because we're across the screen doesn't mean there's there's not one of those aspects of fluency that we cannot do. So some of the routines that I like to keep in place would be. First of all, I like to spend time working through a fluency binder or notebook. If you're not familiar with that, it's just a place, a catch-all place where they can keep all of their education activities, their worksheets, their communication attitudes, and all those things in one spot so that they have that, that they can refer back to, and that we can refer back to as well. Um, so I like to spend some time going through that. I have an interactive binder um, that I actually sell that has lots of different worksheets in it. And I like to spend some time doing that with the child. It keeps the routine the same as it would be if they were um, in doing face-to-face therapy. Um, secondly, I like to make sure that we're doing those education activities. You can still review their speech machine, the strategies, vocabulary, myths, all those things virtually. Thirdly relaxation exercises. Um, I actually like to start with this. I start each session with a few minutes of relaxation exercises. It kind of keeps the kids in a good headspace for the rest of the session. Um, and then uh, we can review their fluency journal. I have a fluency journal that I try to get my kiddos to do. sometimes they do it sometimes they don't but um, its kind of gets them thinking about their speech and some different situations that they would encounter that made their speech uh, more or less fluent. Um, so we can spend some time reviewing their fluency reviewing their fluency journal and seeing how they did the week before. Also, we practice some fluency techniques um, through play or with others. This is a great time to get their siblings involved or their families and um, let them teach their families about their strategies and help them. And lastly, I just like to let the child lead Um, let them lead the conversation, let them tell you what's on their mind, show you around their house, introduce you to their family. Um, With one of my fluency clients, I had them um, go and find their favorite toy and bring it and show it to me. And then then I brought a toy that I had here and then I modeled how to um, describe it and talk about it using my easy speech. And then they went back and did the same thing. So it's great to let the child lead and then it puts them more at ease and comfortable in their space. So thirdly, let's talk about how we can um, use this time across the screen to discuss feelings and emotions. Um, Sometimes talking across the screen is less intimidating than talking face-to-face or in person. So um, you can use this time to have some good heart-to-heart talks um, and talk about what's going on in the world, in their family, or with their speech. And um, I did want to reiterate that problem solving isn't just for stuttering. Students can apply the skills that you teach them in lots of areas of life. So this crazy time gives us lots of problems to talk through and we can talk about how they would solve other problems in the world or other problems that arise because, you know, they're staying at home right now um, and talk about how those are solved and We can relate that to fluency and show them that if you have a problem with getting words out, then you're just using those problem-solving strategies just the same way. Okay, so to get started with talking about some of those feelings and emotions, um, we can do a few things. We can come up with a list of questions we want to ask them to get them started, get the conversation going. Um, we can have a worksheet page to fill out. Um, and then like I said before, we can talk about that problem solving in lots of areas of life. You can easily make that transition from how we handle um, problems that stuttering may cause to problems that they may encounter in their day-to-day lives and vice versa. Um, and then lastly, make sure that we are validating their feelings. So whatever they're talking to us about during their therapy sessions, we want to make sure that they're comfortable and that we have a great rapport with them and that their feelings are being validated. Okay, I love th- this little quote that um, that Kai like, on, age nine says, she says that stuttering makes me feel like I'm a cheetah who is stuck in a mud puddle. So, um, This is, this is just one way that a child was able to express how, how they feel about suttering. Um, and I love this and I love that we can use things like this to help them, um, be able to express themselves in their opinion. So one thing that I like to do for that is like have them draw a picture. So she could draw a picture if she feels like a cheetah stuck in a mud puddle, have them have her draw a picture of a cheetah who's stuck in a mud puddle. Um, so we could say, Hey, can you draw a picture about your stuttering?" and, um, especially if they're younger and then they could draw it and they can hold it up and show you. So it doesn't have to be something on screen that you have to do. Um, the whole time it can be some things that they can do on paper and they can just hold it up and show you and then they can stick it in their fluency binder afterwards. Another activity that's great for, um, your feelings and emotions would be like a hand tracing activity. So they trace their hands um, or their right hand and their left hand. And then on their right hand, they write five things that they like about themselves or five things that they like about their speech. And then on their left hand, they write five things that they don't like, or or that makes them not comfortable about their speech. So those are just some different ways that they, um, that you can use different things that you can use to talk about those feelings and emotions. Okay, so our fourth one is that we can practice carryover. So we wanna be able to take note on what their home is like and can um, be able to uh, talk about their home environment. So let's go to the next one and this is a great time to foster independence and self-advocacy. And when I am talking about independence, um, I'm talking about how the student doesn't necessarily need you, the clinician, in order to achieve fluency for themselves. So I want the children to understand and and take ownership of their speech so this is a great time to do that across the screen because you're not right there next to them so they are able to have a little bit more independence with that and then self-advocacy they can talk about um, situations that might arise at home and how they can advocate for themselves so we want to teach them how to speak up and tell others ways that they can help that can help them stay fluent All right, so here are a few ways that I think are great for carryover. And these are some specific and practical ideas that you can do in your teletherapy sessions. So the first one is role-playing. You can role-play difficult situations. You can have the student come up with a hierarchy of activities or things that are more difficult or less difficult for them, um, and then you can take turns role-playing those scenarios. Um, Another one would be online face chats. So you're online so you can use an online platform just like Zoom or Google Meets or any of this for online face chats with classmates or families. So you can add another friend in and see if they can chat with a friend um, while you're there and then they can monitor their fluency that way. It doesn't have to only be you and the student in their session if they're comfortable and if you have permission to do that. Um, and then another one is one-on-ones with family. So This is a great time to pull in a sibling or a caregiver to your session, have a student practice those conversation techniques and listen to their skills while they're talking and let them practice carryover that way. And then another one would be a friendly phone call. Um, this is a great time to pick up the phone, call a friend or family member, and then they can talk, have conversations with them that way, and they can practice their techniques on the phone, um, and then they can self rate afterwards. Another thing would be to talk to a group. You can gather the family around and have the student present to the group. So, whoever's at home at the time, they can do like a little mini presentation for a group. So you can do like an online face chat group, or you can have them just stand there at home and give a little presentation to the group. They can talk about ways that they can, that they, other family members can help them stay fluent. They can do the, do it on a presentation on a topic that they enjoy or anything just to practice those carryover skills. And then lastly, you can do some business phone calls. Um, I like doing these with my students face-to-face even or through teletherapy, either one works. Um, They can practice calling a place of business. You can ask a question, order food, et cetera. Um, I had one student, called, like, I was trying to find something they were interested in, and he loved video games, so I had them call the video game store, one of our local ones, and they asked if they had a certain game in stock. Um, I've had... I've had the students call places and ask the like, restaurants and ask the prices on different things or ask their hours. Um, this is great for desensitization as well. So you can have them voluntarily stutter um, to, desense, for to help with desensitization and desensitize them to that stuttering. So they know that they're going to be stuttering on purpose when they call. Um, or they can practice using their fluency strategies and try to remain fluent when they call. So either one works. Okay. Malcolm Fraser, who is the founder of the Stuttering Foundation, says that there is no easy road to fluency for therapy to accomplish its purpose. It will take determination. And I feel like that's on the part of the clinician as well as on the part of the student. So um, teaching them independence and self-advocacy is so important to having successful therapy later. Okay, and then our last thing is digital resources. And this is a quick side note. So you do not have to have a stash of specific fluency digital resources in order to have effective stuttering therapy. You don't have to have it. Um, you can use things that you already have in your stash at home and just share your screen. Um, it does not have to be all digital. Um, You can use a variety of low-tech resources and then modify them. But if you are looking for a few of those resources, however, um, I'm going to share a few that I like to use. Okay, the first one is some digital fluency task cards. I have these in my store. They are um, digital and interactive and they cover a lot of aspects of fluency. They cover um, different therapy strategy definitions, and myth and fact, and um, relaxation exercises, speech machine. They they cover a lot of different areas of fluency. Um, So I do have these digitally and they're interactive and my students have um, responded really positively um, with them during this time. And then I also use that interactive fluency binder virtually as well. So you can screen share pages from the binder and then they can fill them out um, on the screen if you have a a tool that you use that you can um that you can use a like pen, or you can use typing um, you might have cami or zoom has the annotation tools right there um, so i'm not sure what platform you'd be using but you can use that any kind of pages from the interactive fluency binder or any other digital or any other worksheet that you can use digitally. Another thing that I love is Google Images. So <laughs> Google Images are so fun if you, and they're so, e- it's so easy to find pictures that will spark conversation. If you Google um, silly animal pictures, you'll find tons of different things um, that, you, that will spark really converse, good conversation, and uh, it'll get them laughing too. So I like using Google Images for that. And then um, you can also use video clips. And both of these can be used just through your typical screen sharing. You don't have to do anything fancy. Um, But video clips, YouTube is filled with videos for story retell, or even you can go through, like you find people who stutter and you can look at those through YouTube clips as well. And they can get some, um, they can see that they are not alone in that but I like this one is Simon's cat that I'm showing you on the screen right here. Um, And those are some wordless videos that are super cute and great for retail. So I would definitely recommend finding um, some of those little videos for them. Some other things that you can find is through Google Images is speech mechanism real pictures. Um, I know we don't always have access to some really good colorful pictures of your speech mechanism, but Google has them and you can easily, easily screen share it with those kiddos um, and talk about those different aspects of your speech machine that way. And then stuttering technique demonstrations. Um, I love Stuttering Therapy Resources YouTube channel for this. They have lots of different like different videos on the different strategies and how to do them. So they don't have to just be looking at your face, they can look at someone else's little video on it as well. And then the last thing is make your own video. And I love this because students can have the opportunity to make their make a video themselves of themselves and then they can use it for self-advocating later. Or you as the clinician can also make a video of the therapy strategies or different questions that you might have and that you can play it for your student through screen share as well. Okay, and I have some free resources on my site. Um, if you go to my free resource library, there's a password. So in order to get the password, you'd need to sign up um, through this link, which is vitly slash bbs webinar and it is case sensitive so you can grab several different free fluency therapy resources that you can use to give to parents um, like this top one is supporting, supporting fluency through play and um, I sent this these to all my parents these little handouts and um, that gives some great reminders on how they can um, interact with their child appropriately through play and foster that good fluency. And then the other one is just a bunch of different handouts that are in one big pack. It's like family speech rules, risk factors, tips for caregivers, a fluency tracker, and um, all of those. You can send those to parents easily as well. So. This is where you can find me if you have any questions. I'm happy to take a bunch of questions um, because I know we have a lot of time. Yes, I
0: definitely have some questions queued up. Um, First of all, beautiful presentation um, and lots of amazing information. Um, So thank you for all of that. Um, And one question was, uh, because you mentioned the Daily Fluency Tracker. Yes. what does that
1: look like? And do you send that to parents digitally or? Yes. Um, so the daily fluency tracker is something that I send to parents. Um, it has, I can probably pull it up. We have <laughs> and, screen sharing. And, um, I can show you exactly what it looks like. Um, but while I'm doing that, it's, it just gives parents something that they can use to like on paper to track, and then they can keep that in their fluency binder or they can keep it, um, they can just show you the next time you come when you look at it. I think it is on. So they do, that is really nice. And the kids can, the, the fluency journal is a little bit different than the fluency tracker because the journal is, for, is more geared toward the, the students. Mm-hmm. And then the fluency tracker is more geared towards um, families, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I can um pull this up and then you can see what the tracker looks like Let's see I can just sh- share my screen I don't know if it's working hold on ah. okay.
0: Is that letting you share? Oh, there it goes, awesome. Okay,
1: <laughs> okay so um, I just have them rate on a scale of one to 10 and then they can make comments um, of, of different situations or activities that made them more or less fluent. Um, this one is for home and then I did another one for school so they could use, the teachers could use it as well. And then that way they could say, okay, so um, one means no stuttering that day and then 10 means a lot of stuttering that day. And then comments could be like, okay, well, um, I heard a lot of stuttering that day, but it was, you know, a holiday and they were really excited and happy and it made them a little bit more disfluent. So that it's just good to know different different things that they could, that would make them more or less fluent. Perfect. Um, awesome. And then is that, that's part of your fluency binder then? That's the preschool fluency. in the preschool fluency binder. Yeah. Okay. I have one for school age and one for preschool.
0: Perfect. And then um, what? Because there was another question that came in about um, materials appropriate for middle school
1: students. Um, So like, Mm -hmm. Um, depends on the student. Probably the interactive fluency binder has some um, some activities that they might some like images that some middle school students might seem a little bit kiddy, but other middle school students might be fine with it. Um, You just have to use your judgment. I can show you like, for example, this is one of the pages in the school age fluency binder and it's got some little kid images, but I don't know how much like middle school students would feel about that. But a lot of it I think would be relevant. I would use it with middle school students if it were me. If that
0: makes And the strategies, If we look at the, and you're more of an expert than I am Lauren, um, but looking at the research, the strategies are the same. We just need like a vehicle for that therapy. So um, yeah, I I don't think that therapy itself might have to change. We just can consider uh, if they would (laughs) have comments about the clip art or not.
1: Right, it would just be those clip art that they might think would be different think differently about it, but I, I've i worked with middle school students, and I've used it with some sixth and seventh graders, and they were fine with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's perfect, super helpful. Um, and then um, another question, too, so how do you share the, because you have, like, you were showing us your binder, which had, mm-hmm. it's like 100 some pages, So how do you share that with parents and how do you set up their journals and like just logistically manage that?
1: Yes. Okay. So um, if you save as a PDF, if you can um, go like you're going to print and then you can save whatever pages that you'd want as a PDF, that's usually an option on most. um, I, I know it is on Adobe. There's some other Um, I think there might be other ones that they might not be, but if you just download it and then you go to print it and then you, instead of clicking your printer, you would click save as a PDF. You can choose the pages that you want to save. And then that way you can easily email it. I try to, doing some parent education, I try to get the parent, if they have access to a printer, to print it out. And those pages that they're doing. Um, that way you can link, go back to it. Because a lot of times in teletherapy, if you're doing things virtually and they're like typing on the screen and annotating that way, it doesn't always save. You could um, like take a screenshot and then print that out and save it for later, or like keep an online journal and just keep a bunch of screenshots in a folder um, if you wanted to use it that way. But there is just a lot of benefit to, I guess keeping things to refer back to if that makes sense because you want to say remember when we did this and we talked about this and you told me that this that you this was a difficult situation for you that's why we're going to practice this today you know so
0: and i think your binder could be really cool um because i've been doing this for some kiddos too where i'll set up a google Slide presentation Mm -hmm. um, for the student. And I take screenshots of the pages that I want. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a way to like set them onto the background of the slide. It's just like it's an option when you right click. Um, So like with your binder, it would be perfect because you could have like the fun cover and like the intro pages and stuff. So it's like a binder, but it's just in slide format. Um,
1: Wow, Okay.
0: Yeah, and you can change the size of the slide. So it is eight and a half by eleven. Um, mm-hmm. and then you can use all of the Google tools. You can you can type, you can add like shapes and you can add pictures. Uh there's a lot of different options with that, which I think is pretty cool. Like it'd be perfect for your binder. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's easy to share and all of that good stuff. The only caveat is uh because like some districts have a business associate agreement with Google um, where they, it's like HIPAA compliant or whatnot. But if I think we can still use it, even if we don't have that, we would just want to maybe just only use initials or something to not have that identifying information.
1: Okay. Okay. Gotcha.
0: But I don't know. It's been super fun. Just like building those, um, decks for students. I feel like it just makes the teletherapy process a little easier.
1: What's it called again? It's just Google Slides. You just use regular Google Slides? It's not Mm -hmm. a specific kind? Okay. Yep. And they
0: just give you the option to um, embed that in the background. So Mm -hmm. then like the you can take a screenshot and just drop it onto the slide but then if you're trying to add text over it, like it gets moved around and it gets So you just of...
1: save it as the background. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
0: Yep. So that one has been fun. Um, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: okay. And then, so that reminds, like, I meant to ask this at the very beginning, but I'm curious um, just like what teletherapy has looked like for you and like how you've kind of, have you had like a... Progression of things, or what has it looked like?
1: Yeah, okay, so <laughs> at the beginning, we weren't doing teletherapy. We were just going to be like sending packets home with families and communicating over the phone with our families and our students on a weekly basis, that type of thing. But then it quickly got to be like, oh no, you need to do ther- teletherapy and you need to have data to do progress reports at the end of the year. And so it was a quickly like scrambling on figuring everything out at the last minute. And it was all like, you have to use Zoom if you do teletherapy and you have to, a lot of people are like having to use specific platforms. And for us, it was Zoom. And, um, and so we just you know had to quickly just figure stuff out. So I, um, I was scrambling to make a few of my resources digital <laughs> and um, be able to use that with the kiddos. So um, most of my sessions were individual. I think I had one that was uh, like a little group, but um, the rest were just individual sessions. And I did one, I saw them once a week when typically I would see them maybe twice a week, but um, maybe even more. But this time it was, I mean, you can't really see all your kids individually um, unless unless they're all in groups like they normally are. So they were all only once a week. But we were able. To, I was able to get all of their data. Um, there was only maybe one or two kids that I, they just, you know, didn't respond to any of my attempts. But the rest, um, or didn't show up to therapy sessions. So, but the rest, you know, did great, and I was actually pleasantly surprised with how how easy it was and how um, how much I actually liked it. <laughs>
0: and that's amazing. And you have quite a few uh, fluency students on your
1: caseload. Yeah, I have. Um, I actually have a half of a caseload this year. Um, so, in a typical, a typical one would have have like twenty five. I have, I'm sorry, forty to fifty kids. So, I have twenty to twenty five kids because I'm also lead teacher at school. And out of those twenty kids, I have three fluency students, which, um, it's a good percentage considering to me. Um, yeah, they all flock to you. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> all flock <laughs> to come here. And then I have an that didn't get their evaluations. You know in time they'll have to do it right beginning of next year just because of what happened, all the things that happened so um hopefully at the beginning of next year i might even have a couple more
0: (laughs) yeah and so with the um with those so you got to tell us like a lot of what you would do with those students which was really cool just to kind of get that insight um were there any other like favorite activities or highlights from
1: those two sections yes um i i have like one of the kids that I see is a preschooler and it was really cool to be able to interact with this parent a whole lot more. Um, and that was kind of my biggest takeaway that I didn't really realize what, how much that was lacking in my school therapy sessions. Because um, I was like, I saw the benefit of like, this can really change the kids environment because I'm seeing what it's like in their home right now. you know, And I'm seeing how their parents are talking to them just in a natural setting, um, more so than just if they're sitting there even if they were to come into the therapy session and just watch me, it's different seeing them in their natural environment and at home. So I was able to give a lot of coaching and good feedback and model like easy speech techniques, um, just being able to have the parent play with their child and model how to play one-on-one um, and facilitate that communication just through there, some natural settings and through play, um, I guess, when you're a speech therapist and you learn all of these things early on, like even in college, you don't realize. Like before I ever had, I don't have any kids, so have any kids yet, but um, you don't realize that. I mean, if you're taught all these things, parents don't naturally do this. You know, they don't naturally talk to their kids in the way that we might talk to our kids. So they need that coaching, and um, and it was just a little bit eye opening for me to just be able to be like, hey, why don't you try this? And then seeing the effects, and then um, modeling for the parent how I'm talking to their child, and then being able to explain, okay, this is why I'm doing this, and how about you try this, you know, this could change that environment to help reduce that stress, to reduce those verbal demands, so that was something that was really cool that I found, was just like, okay, yeah, I need to make sure parents come to my sessions as much as I can, or at least um, get them on the phone more, or something, you know, Um, it's different when you're at school. (laughs) I
0: think it's super powerful because if they're in, even if they're sitting in your therapy session, like observing you, they might think your toys, like your materials or toys, are like special. And like, oh, I don't have that one, so I can't use it. But mm-hmm. if you're in their home, you use what they have. Um, yeah, and I mean, if they're at home and you're at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they're at, they're at home. So it was it was just nice to be able to see them at home. Because I mean. um, It's just different because you can say, okay, look, can you go grab this and go do, I mean, I did this even with my other language students, you know, like, can you go grab a toy and talk to me and explain to me how you got it or where it comes from, or, you know, tell me about what it looks like and, um, and all of that. So the kids loved doing that. And then the parents could see, hey, I'm just using what you have at your house. And we're just talking about it using our easy speech. Um, It's just an easy way to practice, you know? Or um, I had them like, go get a storybook, and then have the parents read to the child and okay, uh, okay, mom, let's practice placing pauses between the phrases while you're reading the story. Um, that model. So it was, it was nice and different than what I typically get to do, so.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. I think that's really important. Um, and it's definitely a challenging situation, but I think there's those golden nuggets that I come out of it and <laughs> learn some new things.
1: Yeah, I know. And then like I had um, more of a school-age, a school-age student who um, I got to spend some time with the mom that way too. I think with preschoolers that come from home, I do get to see their parents a little bit more, Um, but with school-age kids, it's very few and far between that I get to see them. Um, I might do some phone calls um, or it's just some parents are easier to get in touch with than others. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, Um, but Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All your parents call you back. <laughs> <laughs> None of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice to be able to have the, their full attention, you know, and be able to explain to them, you know, different things that we're doing in speech and why and, and all of that. So I just, you know, even the school-aged kids got some use out of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, there's another question about the digital task
1: cards. What do those look like? Uh, Oh, yeah, I can pull that up, too. Um, Those, I, okay, so I made some task cards that were printable. um, But, let's see. The printable task cards are great, and I've used them for years. But I recently, because of all of this, I transferred my articulation task cards, language task cards, and fluency task cards, all to digital, because I was like, I need something. Um, So now they're all via Google Slides, and they're all, um, interactive so let me share my screen. Ooh, I'm super curious. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let me go to the fluency ones. Okay. So I like these because there are t- lots of different um, aspects of fluency that you can do. So they can take this, they can use the annotation tool to trace these different little things to talk about the different types of this fluency. Um, I have them give an example of the different types of Should this. drag this to check it when they're done. Um, they can type a sentence here and then state, say it using that Type of voluntary like stuttering. So there's lots of different. You can use the um, tools on the side to do the different tasks. So this would be the disfluence, types of disfluency, um, and then sorry, that's not. Let's see. Sometimes Zoom, the little thing at the top, makes it to where I can't see all my tabs. <laughs> yeah. So. I think it's the third one. The third one. There we go. Okay. So, and then like the speech machine um, has some little pictures and then they can, what is the muscle? And you tell me what the muscle is in the abdomen that helps inflate the lungs with air. They can just Pull this to check it. One thing I like about Google Slides is you can modify it to what you want. So you can add some text if you want. You can take out the text if you don't want it. You can let them draw a picture. They can draw, you know, use the little highlight tool or drawing tool. So you can modify the cards how you want them. Um, so if they are old enough to be able to write, they can write their answers. Um, or if they're too young, they can just tell you and it's fine. They can just use a check mark to say yes, I did that card. Um, So lots of different cards for that. And then um, relaxation exercises. I like using these cards because it gives me something to kind of go by whenever we're doing relaxation, if I don't have access to like um, Headspace or Calm or one of those apps then it gives me something to go by. So, we're going to take five breaths. Here's a check for each. All of those different little relaxation techniques. So, anyway, it covers a lot of different areas, and that's one thing I like. So, and it also has, like, strategy practice in a hierarchy, like, from words all the way to conversation. So, it goes from words to phrases, sentences to conversation. So, um you like being able to modify it based on where the kid is at so they would use their strategy to make a sentence if they're at the sentence level they could type their sentence then say it or they can just say it and use the check mark to say that they did it Does that makes sense
0: yeah that's awesome thanks for showing us
1: yeah okay so let's see what else we've got um I see in the comments, there's some of them are saying they don't have to do teletherapy yet, but it's probably a good idea that they are washing in case that they do, because you never know what the fall is going to hold. <laughs> yeah, it'll be super interesting to
0: see how that all how that all pans out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then, because um, you mentioned YouTube videos too.
1: Yes. What are some yes. your favorite ones for those? Okay, so if you want some like story retell, Simon's cat is amazing. It's really great. Um, then you can also look up some short clips of different um, uh, songs or things that the kid might be interested in. Um, I like using the read alouds, so you could get like you could just t- all you have to do is type in a book and then read al- read aloud, and then it'll play the book and they can retell the story. Um, and usually. They, I feel like they do a good job using a slow, those readers, they, they use a slow pace um, while they're reading and modeling that. So you could do like the old lady who swallowed a frog and then they could go and retell it. Um, other videos that you are good to use would be to see some fluency techniques. Um, so, Stuttering Therapy Resources has a YouTube channel, and Dr. Yaris will go through several different techniques. So, if you don't want to show your face or you don't feel confident in explaining the techniques or giving examples of the techniques, you could always play those videos and show them, okay, look, this is the cancer strategy. I'm going to show you, and Dr. Yars is going to show you exactly how to do it. Okay, this is a little five-minute video that we're going to watch, and then they could watch it, and then they could practice. Plus, it gives it gives them someone else to see besides just you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Um,
0: and then, what about parent handouts? Like, do you, because it sounds like you're doing a lot of, like, explaining the techniques and teaching them, do you have anything to help them retain that information or like what
1: strategies work? Yes. Um, At first we were just doing weekly handouts to parents and weekly education that way. Like we weren't doing teletherapy. So I was getting a lot of my handouts together and sending those on to parents. So I wanted them to be able to have that. And then also, like you said, I want them to be able to retain the information that I um, that I've told them about. So I have some free handouts. Most of my handouts I have in my free resource library on my website. Um, but I'd like the one that I recent, most recently did was the um, fluency support through play, and I can pull that up and um, and show you that one. Let's see, I love
0: this screen share option. It
1: makes it so nice to, yeah. <laughs> <I do. laughs> it's so nice. And then like, since I've used zoom the whole time, um, with my students, I am really familiar with this platform. So, mm-hmm. but of course, like when I'm trying to find something, it's like, where's, it? um, let's see, I thought it was right here. There they are. Okay. So here's some parent handouts like just some just the typical parent handouts that i have let me see if i can screen share sorry okay so this one has risk factors which are great for if you're trying to get the parent to make changes to their environment or to understand the prognosis of therapy all of that it's great to be able to explain to them the risk factors, Um, and then they can know the reasoning why you're doing what you're doing, you know. And then just some tips for caregivers and some family speech rules. These are some handouts that I like to give. Um, Make sure that they're listening to what the other person is saying. I feel like that is a really important, kids who stutter because a lot of times they're just listening to how they're saying it and not what they're saying. Mm. And then I did include those fluency trackers. And then I like this one too because you're focusing more on the positives. So um, I know the fluency tracker is kind of the, it could be they're really fluent or they're really disfluent, but this one is, hey, we heard smooth speech. This is what the child did when they were really smooth. Um, They were talking to this person. They were talking about that and all of, they can talk about where it took place and what the environment was like, just so they could have that positive hand, you could reinforce that with the child later. And then some examples of the fluency enhancing behaviors or strategies. So that is one pack of handouts that I have. And then let me see if I can get that fluency through play one. Uh,
0: and it's so nice having these ready to go without
1: having to reinvent the wheel. I know, so this one um, has lots of different tips for the parents on ways they can play with their child to reduce those instances of stuttering. So like setting aside one-on-one time, how to reduce time pressure through play, making sure they're keeping language simple, reacting positively when they do stutter modeling fluency strategies, modeling, regulating your voice, and then again, listening to what the child says. Um, And then it gives like some specific examples on what they can do to model those strategies through play. Um, So this is great for your younger kids who stutter, especially like those preschoolers. Mm -hmm.
0: That's awesome. Okay, Um, let's see if there's anything else. We're getting towards the end of our time here. Um I think we're I think we're covering all of it already. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, but do you have any because I mean you've shared a lot of awesome tips and resources and like your takeaways with your therapy sessions, but if like what advice would you give to someone who um maybe is a little bit nervous about just treating fluency in general and then also adding teletherapy on top of that, like what recommendations would you give?
1: Yes, I can imagine that that would be really difficult because it can be daunting to <laughs> to do teletherapy and then to have like a difficult disorder on top of that that you're not comfortable with. It's just like, oh, forget it. <laughs> um, so my recommendation would be to reach out. Um, reach out to people who might be a little bit more comfortable with treating fluency. Look at, see what kind of resources you have. Um, and then also to just be confident in the fact that you were educated, like you know more than you think you do. Um, it's, it's okay to have a little bit of trial and error in the therapy session. All therapy sessions do not have to be perfect. Um, even though a lot of us are type A and we want them to be just like perfectly smooth all the time. It's okay if they're not. um, You'll know better for next time. Um, So just make sure that you are just taking your data and doing your thing and reaching out when you need to reach out. And I think that would be what I would do if I were in their place.
0: (laughs) I love those suggestions, colleagues, and seeing what's working. Um, I I mean, they're here too. So that's a huge step. I think yeah. Lauren gave tons of awesome resources. And then, um, yeah, giving yourself grace, not having to be perfect. Um, and just maybe setting little goals on things that we can do. Um, okay, awesome. And then, um, yeah, we will figure out um, putting the how to share the handouts. Okay. Um definitely putting at least putting that link in there um for the all of those amazing resources you shared um and then yeah i i so appreciate uh, you sharing your time lauren you're always so incredibly helpful um and i just i love your um, like energy and enthusiasm around the topic and you have definitely um Walk the talk, and um, it shows in everything that you teach. So, super grateful for you sharing, and um, super grateful for everyone who showed up here this afternoon. Um, I definitely had a good time learning all about the fluency strategies. And um, yeah, if there was a question about Google Slides. So, YouTube. I think is your best bet um, for some new t- tutorials um, or posting in the Facebook groups, I think would be super helpful too. Um, there's a lot of speech therapy groups, so you, that might be a good way to get some specific tips there. Um, but yeah, I think that's a wrap. Um, and then what, what's a good,
1: what's the best way for people to reach you if they have questions, Lauren? Yes, if you have any questions, um, you can email me at BusyBeatSpeech at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at busybeespeech, Facebook, busybeespeech, Pinterest also. Um, and then my Teachers Pay teacher store is not busybeespeech; it's Lauren haines. <laughs> So haines um, But if you have questions about Google Slides or any of that, um, feel free to email me, BusyBeatSpeech at gmail.com. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, and I hope you all have an amazing weekend. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Talking Teletherapy. Please visit the speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy site for information about upcoming episodes and webinars. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Thanks again for joining us and listening in, and I hope you have an amazing week. See you soon.